Good evening. I hope you're all well. And as we discussed at the end of the previous year, we've finished the subject. Well, finished is never, never the right word to use, but we've concluded the subject that we were discussing up until now, which is the halachas with reference to Bishal on Shabbos and Chazorah and Shihir and Atmona on Shabbos. And we have now this week's shear, we have two weeks' time shear, and then we have the, the shear following on from that, which will probably be three weeks later, haven't yet decided exactly, is the pre-Pesach shear. So we only have really two shirim left now before the Pesach shear. So I thought we'll run do the Chazorah on something that we've discussed in the past, and that's the halachas in the build-up to the Dalit Parshish and Purim, the relevant halachas that are needed for us to know with reference to the Dalit Pashyas and the Halachas, which are relevant to all of us with regards to Purim. This week we'll try and do the build-up of the Dalit Pashyas, and in two weeks' time we'll discuss Halachas of Purim, because two weeks' time will be Yishchidosh, and just after Yishchidosh, and it'll be um, time to be able to discuss Halachas of Purim. The, the, the share after that will be cancelled, because it's Shush on Purim, so there won't be a share, and the share after that will be the pre-Pesach Shir Be'ezus Hashem. That is not to frighten you and to get you worried that Pesach is about to, to to land on us, but to be honest with you, Pesach has almost landed on us, and most people, not most people, many people have already ordered their matzahs, and et cetera, et cetera, so please don't get worried. It's a wonderful time of the year. Pesach is brilliant. Pesach is unbelievable. It's a time of cheres, and we're looking forward to that cheres Be'ezus Hashem, and it should be very soon. Adar is also a wonderful time of simcha. It's a time when HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends us the signs of Simcha and the signs of that he's watching over us and he's caring for us and he's protecting us. And that's why Chazal tells us, If the Mishnah tells us, That means in all other aspects, the first month of Adar and the second month of the Adar are identical except you do not need to have a Kriyas Megillah on the 14th or the 15th of Adar, and you do not need to give Matanus Levyonim on the 14th or 15th of Adar. But yet, the Ramah did tell us, for those who knew the Ramah on Purim Cotton, that it is, Purim Cotton is a time when we're Moisif Ksas Pesuda, we're Moisif Ksas Pesuda. My wife went and bought a very nice cake for the Friday Friday lunch, so that we should be Moisif Ksas Pesuda. That's because Ein Bain tells us there's no difference between the first Adar and the second Adar other than Kriyas Megillah and Matonas Lev Yoinim. Whether you have to give Mishlach Molis on, on Purim Cotton is a discussion. The Ksav Sefer seems to indicate that one should, but it's a difficult halacha because Matonas Lev Yoinim may include the Mishlach Molis. The ideal Mishlach Molis is to be able to create friendship, Abba Vachba, Shalom Vereus, Matan Slavyanim is to look after the poor, the less and the more vulnerable, the more needy. So it comes into the same category. Not clear if there's a chiv to give Mishlach Monis. The minik for sure is accepted that one doesn't give Mishlach Monis on Purim Cotton. But when it comes to Mishnah Nechnas Adar Marbim Besimcha, that would be a given then that since the Mishnah doesn't clearly express that Adar Rishon is not the time for Simcha, only Adar Sheni, then that would 
clearly indicate that Adorishan and Adorsheni are both times for Simcha. And therefore, once Adorishan comes, and which is the month we are in now, we are Zeich to Adorishan, we are Zeich to the Simcha of Ador. And as the Shulchan Aruch tells us, and the Gemara tells us, somebody who has a disagreement with a non-Jew, then he should go to court in the month of Adar, because the month of Adar is the month of Simcha, the month of Siat Adishmaya, a month when HaKadosh Baruch is watching over us, caring for us, looking out for us, that's the month of Adar. And we really sincerely hope that this Adarishan and Adashenu, where we have a double dose of this Marbim B'Simcha, and a double dose of HaKadosh Baruch watching over us, and caring for us, and and protecting us, that we will actually see it tangibly in the coming weeks. We'll see the Yeshua Sarakadish Baruch we'll see the end of Old Soros and Yetzirah, the end of Old Soros and Chuslaritz, and we'll be able to see the Gula, which follows from Adar, because the Gemara tells us why does the Halacha dictate that we should read the Megillah in the second month of Adar, not in the first first month. And technically the Gemara implies that we could really fulfill the mitzvah of, of Purim in the first month. And not in the second month, but the Gemara says the reason why we do it in the, in the second month is to have smichas geula legeula, so that we can have the first geula of Purim very close to the second geula, which is Pesach, and the time when when we're going to see the Beis Hagoyal, the time the Mashiach will come. Beis Hashem, the month of Nisan is a geula for the for Mashiach. So we want the geulas to be adjacent and juxtapositioned to each other, and therefore we have the Kriyas Megillah in the second month of Adar. But in truth, the whole Adar, both Adars are months of of Yeshua's and the months of, of wonderful time where we're able to see the the wonderful Nisim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There was a, a point made in one of the magazines last week, a very interesting point, which is uh, simple in its observation, but it's just something that m- m- many people have not maybe observed. But the Gemara tells us in Mesechtes, in Mesechtes Megillah, the Megillah tells us when discussing in Rosh Hashanah, when discussing the the context of making a year into a leap year. So there's two reasons why Chazal, or the the Agdeil, or the based in Hagadol, would make a year into a leap year. One is primarily to realign the the solar year and the lunar the, the, the lunar the lunar year and the solar year to make them realigned again because otherwise they're going to be out of sync by 11 days a year with, with after three years it's going to be out by a month uh, after six years it's going to be out by two months and that's going to completely distort the whole calendar so we in order to realign it we have to have an, a leap year but there's another reason why Chazal would sometimes make a leap year and that would be and we find this in Chazal in a number of places Chazal were very worried about ag- agriculture agriculture was the basis of survival in the time of Chazal we couldn't survive without the crops we couldn't survive without the fruits there was no imports and exports like we have today and if there was a a, a year of famine or if the crops were only ripening at a later date, then we will be left without food for a while, etc., etc. We could cause complications. So when Chazal saw that in in the month of Adar that the crops and the fruits were not going to ripen in time, in time for Yom Tov, they would actually make a second month. Now that could, a second Adar. Now that could happen at any time in the month of Adar. And it did happen, it's clear in Chazal, it happened sometimes towards the end of Adar. Which would mean that on the 14th of Adar, we would lay in the Megillah, we would have a Suda, we would give Matanas Levyayne, Mishlach Monais, 
dress up. Every aspect of Purim would have been fulfilled in, in its entirety. On Yud Dalad Adar, then on Chafado, any time after, any time after Purim, the base Nagod will sit down to decide whether it's okay to allow this, the month of Nisan to follow directly on from the first month of Adar. And they may come to the conclusion, and they did at times, that, you know what, we need to actually lengthen the year and give us more time for the crops to ripen. And what would happen is that they would create a leap year post-Purim, which would then mean that we'd have a second Adar after we've already fulfilled our mitzvah's Purim, which would then obligate us to go through the whole process of Purim again. So for those who love Purim, it would have been a fantastic opportunity to have Purim twice. For those who find Purim a strain, it would have been a strain a second time. But there's, there is a possibility, and there was a possibility, when the year was decided and the moon and the Rosh Hashim were decided by were decided by the based in Hagodl annually, year in, year out, month in, month out, that it was possible to have two Adars and two Purims. But nowadays where we have the Canada set, so we know exactly when Adar Hasheni is going to be, when the leap year is actually going to be. We have a very set 19-year cycle, and we know exactly when the leap years are, and they're there primarily in order to realign the solar and the lunar years then we don't have this opportunity to have a double Purim, a double Sudas Purim, getting drunk twice for those who get drunk on Purim, and all the other mitzvahs that come together with it. We only have one, and once we only have one, say Chazal, that one should be in the second Adama, in the first Adama, in order to be able to have the two Gulas, the Gula of Purim and the Gula of Pesach, juxtapositioned together. So, we're in a wonderful month, a double dose of this Marba Mesimcha, a double dose of this of this uh, outpouring of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's protection, and it's going to really, we're going to see dividends very, very soon. One of the mitzvahs of the month of Adar, which starts just pre the month of Adar, is what's known as the Dalit Pashis. Chazal, besides enabling us, besides obligating us to read from the Torah weekly every single Shabbos, which historically took on two different customs. There were some Nadoi, there were some places where they finished the Torah once every three years, which meant that Kriya Satoya's Shabbos was much shorter. It was more or less a third of the Kriya Satoya that we have. And then the Minig became and evolved to the Minig that we have today, where we actually finish the Torah every single year. But either way, whichever Minig we had, Chazan introduced a halacha that we should lane four specific parashas in the build-up to Rosh Chodesh Nisan. In the build-up to the new year. Finishing off the year with four specific readings from the Torah. And they are, of course, parashas Shkolim, parashas Zohar, parashas Parah, and parashas HaChodesh. The Chazal gave us a set formula to know which weeks we will be laning one of these four, and which weeks we won't be laning one of these four, which means Chazal gave us a, a formula of when we will have a half soccer, which when will there be a Shabbos with a break. Now we know that the Yushalmi tells us, and it's quoted in the end of Masechus Megillah, and it's quoted clearly in the Rebbein Hananel there, that the first two Pashis, Pashis Shkolim and Pashis Zohar can have a break in between. Pashis Zohar and Pashis Pora can have a break in between. The Pashas Par and Pashas Chodesh can never ever have a Shabbos in between. And the Yishalmi gives a simon, Dalad Kaisis, Ben Kais, Rishon Kais Sheni Mavsikin, Ben Shlishi Levi Ein Mavsikin. 
Meaning that in the Dalit cases, you can have something to eat between, to drink between the first coast and the second coast, technically. Between the third coast and the fourth coast, fourth coast, we don't. We've already had the Afrikoman, then we cannot have anything else other than the third coast and the fourth coast. So too, when it comes to the four parishes, parishes, Shkolim, Pasha Zoho, are like the first coast and the second coast, and therefore we can have a break in between, and we do have a break in between. Between Pasha's Pora and Pasha Chodesh, we never have a break in between. And Chazal gave us a sort of a, a simon to know which, which weeks will be a break and which weeks won't be a break. And they said, when Rosh Chodesh Adar falls on the Shabbos, on a Zion, on a Shabbos, then the 15th of the month, that means Shabbos two weeks later, will be a Shabbos of soccer. That will be the Shabbos between Pashas Zohar and Pashas Porot. When Rosh Chodesh falls on a Monday, then the following Shabbos, which is the 6th of Adar, will be a Shabbos Hafsoka. When Rosh Chodesh falls on a Wednesday, then again the following Shabbos, the 4th of Adar, will be a Hafsoka. And when Rosh Chodesh falls on a Friday, Rosh Chodesh Adar, and when we talk about Rosh Chodesh Adar, we mean the 1st of Adar, we don't mean the, the first day of Shredish, you mean the first of Adar, which will be the second day of Shredish, as in this year, it'll be the second day of Shredish. When it falls on a Friday, then you have two Shabboses, which are called Shabbos Hafsakas. One is the tenth of the month, uh, and, uh, sorry, one, one is the second of the month, and one is, one is the sixteenth of the month. It's, no, no, I make a mistake, sorry. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there will be two Afsakas. So this year, for example, Rishchidosh falls on a Monday. Rishchidosh Adar is going to be on a Monday. Sunday, Monday is, is the two days of Rishchidosh. So Aleph Adar is going to be on a Monday. So there's going to be a Shabbos Pasha Shkolim, which will always be either on the Shabbos of Rishchidosh or the Shabbos preceding Rishchidosh Adar. Which therefore means that Shabbos Pasha's Vayakel, of course, the Shabbos of the 90th in our shul, will be Shabbos Pasha Shkolim. The next Shabbos will be the Shabbos, which is the sixth of Adar. That will be a Hafsaka. The Shabbos after that will be Pasha Zoche. So it'll be, Pikude will be Hafsaka. Vayikra will be Pasha Zoche, will be Pasha Zoche. Tzav will be Pasha Poro. Shmini will be Pasha Zachedesh. Sazria will be nothing. And Metzoya will be Shabbos Agodl. And two days later will be Pesach. And that's the build-up to the Dalit Pashas, bringing us to the month of Nisan and to the Yom Tov of Pesach. So, as we said this year, Pashas Vayakel, which is the Shabbos before Rishchidosh, the Shabbos Mavach in Rishchidosh, the Shabbos where Rishchidosh will be the next day, the day after and, and Monday, the Sunday and Monday, and Aleph will be Monday. So that Shabbos will be Pashas Shekolim. It will be Pasha Shekolim, and we will lane the Pasha of Shekolim, which is the Pasha of Kisisa, which interestingly we're laning this week too. So we're going to be laning this week Pasha's Kisisa, and then Vayakil again Pasha's Kisisa for the Kriya Satayra of Shekolim. In our shul, as is in many, many Minagi Ashkenaz, there's Yetzirahs, which are said in the Dalat Pashas. We say Yetzirahs, Pasha Shkolim, we say Yetzirah on all the Pashas. We also have a meaning in our shul to say Yetzirah in the Pashas of Sokis, but very different, fundamentally different Yetzirah. We say Yetzirah on a normal Shabbos of the Dalit Pashas, we say Yetzirah in Bichas Krishma, and we say Yetzirah in Chazor Sashatz. Most shuls only say Yetzirah in Chazor Sashatz, do not say Yetzirah in Bichas Krishma. We say Yetzirah even in Shabbos of Sokis, but only in Bichas Krishma. We don't have any Yetzirah in the 
Chazoris Hashatz. So Shabbos Shikolim, we will have Yetzirah in Bichas Krishma and Yetzirah in Chazoris Hashatz. That was the prevailing minag in Ashkenaz until pre-war, until the yeshivas began to flourish and they followed the slightly closer, the minhagim of the, the gong, which, which was not to say Yetzirah in Bichas Krishma and therefore it became prevalent not to say Yerches and Bichas Krishma and primarily only to say them in Chazor Sashats. But our shul, which still follows the Minik Ashkenaz, and the rightly so, says, says Yerches in Bichas Krishma and they say Yerches in Chazor Sashats. They are beautiful Yerches and I really encourage everybody, rather than sighing and moaning and groaning, that Shtabni is going to take long to read through those Yerches and have a look and understand them because they are, each one is a, is a, is a treasure. They're full of information full of wonderful chidushim, full of nuances and rhymes and prose, which are absolutely wonderful. They're written by, according to many, Tanoim. Uh, maybe they weren't Tanoim, but according to some, it was Tanoim who wrote them a bit later, but written by Tamid HaChachomim, who knew the, the hidden worlds of the Torah. And there, there's so many secrets and, and chidushim in the Yaitzris, which are just wonderful. It's well worth preparing. If one able to prepare, prepare. It'll be a different davening. It'll be a different Yaitzris. There's a beautiful, uh, a in Hebrew, not in English, unfortunately, but a beautiful um, Yaitzris Hamafurish, which was printed by the late Mr. Julian Sharman for one of his children's chasanas. Uh, it really does give an explanation in Hebrew, but easy Hebrew, to the Yaitzris, and well worth having, and well worth reading and preparing. Yes, Dublin will be longer, but they are beautiful. Pashish Kolim and Pashish Achedish, we have a minig in our shul, and in most shuls, who say Yetzirah, to say Yetzirah even in Musab. And this is a Yetzirah which is said after each bracha, just before each bracha in the Chazar Sashatosh Mon Esra, based on Psukim. And there are old Minhagi Ashkenaz that would do this even in Pashish Zochah and Pashish Pora. But we don't do Pashish Zochah and Pashish Pora. We only say it in Pashish Shkolim and Pashish Achedish. The reason why it was introduced to read Pasha Shkolim before the month of Adar is because the Mishnah tells us that Be'echad Ba'adar in Etz Yisrael, in Rosh Adar, Machrizin al That means they would announce, everybody should donate please to the Beis HaMikdash and Machsis HaShekel in order to be able to bring the carbon Tomid day in, day out. That con- consistent continuity of Karbonis that enable the world to continue to exist morning in, morning, morning and evening, day in, day out, every single day, a carbon tomid was funded by Klalisol with the donation of the Master HaShekel to the Beis HaMikdash. And therefore, it was announced on Rosh Chodesh Adar so that they could start the New Year's Karbonis from the month of Nisan without any worries. So they could collect all the money pre the month of Nisan and have it all ready in their Shafris, as they were known, in their coffers in the Beis Amigdash, ready to be able to purchase the Karbonis for the Karb for the Tomid that was going to be brought day in, day out. And since it was announced Rishchodesh Adar, therefore we lay in Pasha Shekolim, which is the Pasha of Master Sashekel. We do it for one of two reasons, either because, unfortunately, due to the Abu'inusayna Harabim, we do not have the Beis Amigdash, and we don't have that announcement by the Beis Amigdash, please donate a Master Sashekel for the Karbonis. But in order to be able to have some element of the mitzvah practically today relevant to us, we have what's known as a Neshalma Parim Sifseisenu. By davening the tefillahs that we say are in place of the Korbonos, so we can use the same context and say, but us, 
reading the Pasha of the Machsas HaShekel is equivalent to us donating a Machsas HaShekel to the Beis HaMikdosh. And hopefully that Neshalma Parmesif Shesenu, the Schus of us actually reading the Pasha of Shkodim will enable us in the coming year to be able to actually donate the Machsas HaShekel to the Beis HaMikdosh. Or we do it just as a Zecha, as a remembrance to the wonderful mitzvah of donating a Machsas HaShekel in the Beis HaMikdosh and it's a sign of our thriller to the Benshon that we're so desperate to have our Besamikdosh back again. And that's why we make these zeicha, these rem- reminders that we should daven and be able to beseech the Benshon to end all sorrows and bring us the Besamikdosh back again. And therefore, at the appropriate time, which is Rishchidosh Adar, either on Rishchidosh or just before Rishchidosh, that Shabbos, when everybody's together in Shul, we will read the Pasha of Shikolin, Pasha's Kisiso, up until the end of the Pasha, which discusses the Machsis HaShekel. Pasha Shkolim is a mitzvah for males. It's not a mitzvah for females. And for the very simple reason that since it has a very fixed time, it's fixed to the Shabbos before Rishchidesh. Therefore, it's a mitzvah, even if it's only Drabonon. And we take on, even on mitzvah Drabonon, mitzvah something which has a fixed time to it, women are not obligated, they're absolved from that mitzvah. And therefore, Pasha Shkolim, there is no chiv for women to come to shul and hear the reading of Pasha's Shkolim. Now, that doesn't mean to say that women should not come to shul. It just means they don't have an obligation. But every time a woman fulfills a mitzvah, even if they're not obligated, the schar, the reward is there. They get a reward with the mitzvah. That's why we in Ashkenaz make a bracha, even on mitzvah sashay, we allow women to make a bracha, as Ritva tells us, because if they make, they do that mitzvah, they fulfill the mitzvah, they will receive the schar for that mitzvah, so you have an enormous amount of schar to be able to receive just by coming to shul and listening to the Kriya. So I'm not here to try and dissuade you from coming to shul, but what I can say to you is that you're not obligated. And if it's in a serious nefesh and difficult, then one is not obligated to come at all. We will have the next Shabbos. Pashas Pikude will be a break, a half soccer. We will say just a few yotzers in Bechus Krishma, very small, minimal, but there'll be no Yetzirah in Chazor Sashatz because it's an soccer. It doesn't have the one of the Dalit Pashas being read on that Shabbos. The next Shabbos Pashas Vayikra will be Pashas Zocher. Pashas Zocher is the Shabbos pre-Purim. Whenever Purim falls during that week, the Shabbos preceding that will be Shabbos where we read Pashas Zocher. Pashas Zocher, we read the last three Psukim in Pashas Kiseitze, which talks about the mitzvah of wiping out Amalek. The mitzvah of wiping out Amalek. Amalek is, serves the purpose of being the nemesis of Klal being the stick that's there to hit Klal Yisrael. It's His purpose is only to function as a guide to Klal Yisrael, to make sure that they do not stray from the path that the Rebbein Shalom has instructed them to follow. And therefore, HaKadosh created Yaakov and Esau. And it's well known that the Ovis were not fertile. Avram wasn't able to have children. Sora wasn't able to have a child. Yitzchak, according to very many, was not able to have a child. Rivka was definitely not able to have a child. Yitzchak Eisachov tells us that Yitzchak davened for Rivka, he davened for himself and then he davened, and he davened for Rivka because he was in the same category as Rivka. He also needed to have a tefillah to enable him to be able to father a child. And therefore, what seems to be inevitable, says Rabbi Yitzhak Eisvechover, 
is that Yaakov and Esau were born from from parents, as Yitzchok was as well, who were not technically able to father and mother children. Which means that in the time of in the, the at the time of the created world, when Akashvach created the world, there was no plan in the world for a, a Yaakov and an Esau. They were not meant to to exist because they were they're just not part of the created world because their parents were, as far as the physical world concern is concerned, were infertile. So therefore, the only way Yaakov and Esau came into existence was through a miracle. They do not exist, as we've said this many times, in the world of physicality. They exist in the world of spirituality, and that's the meaning be, be, behind the Hakoil Koil Yaakov by Yedayim Yeday Esau. The voice is of Yaakov in the hands of Esau, which means that when Yaakov's voice is heard in the base of Medrash Hazal, then the hands of Yaakov will be the hands of Yaakov. They won't be in the hands of Esau. Esau will have no hands, no ability to carry out any negative act because there's no need for Esau to carry out any negative act because Claudius Shol is behaving the way he needs to behave. It's only when Chas and the coil of Yaakov is not there and they're not learning and fulfilling the mitzvahs, then the hands become the hands of Esau and they're able to smite and hit Yaakov as a means to enable them to go back to the right path and follow the rules and the regulations and the instructions and the mitzvahs and learn the Torah of the Rebbeinah Shalom. Therefore, once Klarisol reaches the Tikkun Asid, once we get to the future, to Mashiach, then there'll be no Amalek anymore because there's no purpose for him. And therefore, Amalek is Ade Oived. Amalek, when it comes to the end of time, will cease to exist because his existence is only purely as a means to enable Klarisol to rectify their ways. And therefore, we read the last three psukim of Pashas Kiseitse, which tells us of the Timcha Ezecha Amalek, because when there's a Timcha Ezecha Amalek, Mitachas Ashamayim Lo Yisishkoch, then we know that Kiyod Al-Kesko, Melchom Al-Hashem Amalek, that name of HaKadosh Baruch which is not complete, as Rashi tells us, it's only the Yud and the Hey, it's missing the Vav and the Hey. It's not complete, will become complete. And when it's complete, there's no need, there's no purpose for Amalek. And when the Kisei is Sholem, when the, the throne of HaKadosh Baruch is, is, is complete, and there's a complete um, revelation of HaKadosh Baruch as it will be in the time of Mashiach, then there's no need and purpose for Amalek. So Amalek is Adi'evet, he's non-existent. And therefore we read the three, the three Psukim before Purim in order so that we should be able to fulfill and carry out the Timcha Zecha Amalek. We read it just before Purim because Haman, of course, was Mizera Amalek. Haman was called Agogi. He was called Agogi because he came from Agag. Agag was a king of Amalek, one of the Amaleki kings. He was a descendant of, of Esau and the descendant of Amalek. And therefore, now, just pre-Purim, when the story of Purim is about to be carried out again through through the reading of the Megillah and the the hanging of Hamon and the annihilation of Hamon and the rise of Madchai and Esther and Klalisrol to the fore and to, to the palace of Achashverosh, which means that Klalisrol rose to to heights that they weren't on before, that is about to re- reenact itself again each Purim when we read the Megillah and we go through the Mitzvah Sayyim. Therefore, we precede that by reading the last three psukim in Pasuk Kiseisei to try and enable us to internalize the need and the will to remove our molik from our lives and from the lives around us, to rectify our ways and enable us to reach that unbelievable Geula of Purim, which will then be followed immediately by the Geula of Pesach and the Geula of 
the future of the Gilead of the Ben Shalom with the B.S. HaMashiach. And that's what the Pasha of Shabbos, Pasha Zohar. Pasha Zohar is actually, according to many Rishonim, most Rishonim, a mitzvah deraisa. Not a mitzvah derabonon, but a mitzvah deraisa. Many, many Rishonim. It's a mitzvah deraisa. It's a biblically obligated command to read and hear the three psukim, which are read at the end of Pasha Kisete on that Shabbos. It may not be a biblically commanded to read it on that Shabbos, when that was rabbinically instituted to read it then, but one is obligated to read it every single year in order that we should be able to constantly fulfill the loisishkoch. And we know that 12 months a year is the time it takes for a memory to fade. We know that from the Rashi, when Rashi tells us with regards to Yaakov and Yosef, Yosef realized, Yaakov realized that his memory of Yosef was constantly there. Something's wrong here. If somebody departs from this world after 12 months, the memory is faded. It's, the, it's not as intense. And yet there it was so intense. And that says Rashi tells us, that's the Makari where Rashi tells us that after 12 months, a person usually forgets. And therefore we read the, the Pasha of Timcha Zecha Amalek to remind us just before the end of the year that we shouldn't forget to remove Amalek, not to forget the importance of the Amalek removal from our lives. And therefore, we read it every single year just before Purim. In a leap year, we have a little bit of a problem that we have 13 months. And therefore, there are some people who are makbid and we bang on the bima just before and Pashas Kiseitse. When we read the Haftar Pashas Kiseitse, some people are makbid to have the intent to fulfill the mitzvah of Timcha Zeich Amalek when they read the Haftar Pashas Kiseitse. But the truth is, and the Chasm Seif and others tell us that the Yishalmi says that the Torah is the reality of the world. And if the Torah therefore instructs us to keep a leap year, then that year is now a 13-month year. And in that year, one will not forget until after 13th, 13th month. Like the, the Yishami tells us that the reality is something which needs a year. After, in a leap year, the year will only be a year of 13 months. So too, when it comes to forgetting, it's not 12 months that makes us forget. It's the year which makes us forget. And we will only forget it after the 13th month. Therefore, this year... We may not have read Pasha Zohar until 13th months have passed, but that's for sufficient. There'll be no Loisishkoch because it's a leap year and the year hasn't finished yet. And if the year hasn't finished, we read Pasha Zohar when we're meant to, then we've caught it in time and we'll remind ourselves with that intensity that we need to remove our money from our lives and from the world. And that's therefore sufficient with the 13th month. This mitzvah is a mitzvah de Reisa. It's a mitzvah called to many, many Rishonim obligatory on men and on women. And therefore, we have a minute for women to come to shul if they are able on Pasha Zohar. They come to shul to listen to Pasha Zohar so they can fulfill this mitzvah of the race of reading Pasha Zohar and hearing the, the obligation of wiping out Amalek. We do our best to have a Sefer Torah which is fully checked, checked to make sure that it's 100% kosher. We have a Sefer Torah which is being checked by computers to make sure that there's no mistakes. And in fact, in our shul, we've gone through all the Sifritaria now. I think 12, 11, 12 of them. I don't remember all the number. We've had them rechecked again with the computers. It cost us a substantial amount of money. And we found a number of mistakes in some of the Sifritaria just so that we should know that our Sifritaria are kosher. Mahadrin mina mahadrin nechaladeh is beautifully kosher. And we now have Sifritaria that have gone through a number of times computer checks. And to, to ensure that they are all 100% kosher. So this Pasha Zohar will be able to take out the secret secretary from our Orana Kurdish 
and fulfill a mitzvah deraisa without any worries, without any worries, because we've really checked through the, the Sefer Torah to make sure that it's 100% okay. Since Pasha Zoch is the deraisa, we do not allow a child, a bar mitzvah child, to read Pasha Zoch, because a child may not yet be a god or to all opinions, and we want to fulfill the mitzvah 100%, as is the custom of people in Klal Yisrael, Jews, they want to fulfill the mitzvah, and fulfill the Ratzin Aboya with his entirety, not looking for ways out, not looking for colors, not looking for, for, for excuses, we want to do it properly, so therefore we ensure that the person who reads Pasha Zoche is someone who is an adult, and who can read and understands how to read. We also, Makbid, we try to use the Havara that is Part of Ashkenaz, not to use Havara of the Eidos Mizrach, or some people not even the Havara of the Hasidim, because that's not our Havara. So we want to fulfill it in, in the Messiah, that's our Messiah, and therefore we have our Havara, and we try not to use anybody else's Havara. There are many people, many Minyonim, that after Davin, they will come together and read Pashazach in all the different Minhogim, like the, like the Yemenites read it, and like the Eidos Mizrach read it, and like the Hasidim read it, and like, uh, Ashkenazim read it, and like the, the, the Yaitse Ashkenaz and, and, and the Litvisha read it, all the different types, because it's a mitzvah, the Raisa, and they want to fulfill it, it's an entirety. We do not go down that route, but there is a minig which is prevalent in the world of Ashkenaz, though it's not prevalent in our shul, because Minig Ashkenaz wasn't to have this Minig developed and evolved from the Mishnah Berurah, but there's a, a discussion as to how you you read the words Timcha Ezdecha Amolik, or do you read it Timcha Ezdecha Amolik? Is it with a Tseri, or is it, is it with a Segoil? And therefore many people have the Minig to read the Pasha Zohar by saying Timcha Ezdecha Amolik, and then they repeat it, Timcha Ezdecha Amolik. Some people just repeat the words Timcha Ezdecha, and then say Timcha Ezdecha. Some people say Timcha Zecha Amolik Mitachas Hashemayim Loisishkoch, and then go back to Timcha Zecha Amolik Mitachas Hashemayim Loisishkoch. Some people read the whole third pasuk twice. They start the whole pasuk from the beginning, and they say Timcha Zecha, and then they go back to the beginning of the pasuk. They finish all the pasuk saying Timcha Zecha. We in Shul do not have that minik. We in Shul follow the minik Ashkenaz, which was the prevalent minik in Ashkenaz up until the Chavos Chaim came along, and. In, in, in deep Ashkenaz, in real Ashkenaz, they said, Timcha Zecha Amalek, they didn't say it twice, and that's what we do. We say, Timcha Zecha Amalek, and we do not repeat the word Zecha to Zecha. Someone who wasn't, didn't manage to come to Shul Shabbos morning, particularly women who find it hard to come to Shul Shabbos morning because they're looking after the children, etc., etc. So there are many opinions to say that you do not need a minion. For Pasha Zohar, though ideally one should have a minion for Pasha Zohar, and that's the Lachatchila, but the second tier of the fulfilling the mitzvah of Pasha Zohar is without a minion, and therefore we have a custom in our shul where we read the Pasha Zohar again the second time in the afternoon, sometimes we read it a third time, we read it again after, after, after davening in, in the morning, and then we read it in the afternoon before Mincha to give the women or anybody who's missed it an opportunity to come back to shul and allow the husbands to babysit and they can come to shul, etc., etc., and listen to the Kriya of Pasha Zohar. Somebody who didn't manage to come to shul and listen to the Kriya of Pasha Zohar because they were busy looking after the children and the husband wasn't available to babysit for, for, for any unknown reason, then they are considered they cannot come. Fine. So they're not obligated to hear Pasha Zohar. However, the Mogan of Ram does tell us that one can fulfill the mitzvah of Timcha Zecha Molik, of the reading of Pasha Zohar, on Purim, 
when listening to the Kriyas Hatayra pre the reading of the Megillah on Purim day. So if a woman comes to Shul Purim Purim morning to hear Megillah, and she comes a few minutes early, you will be able to fulfill your mitzvah of the Pashas Zachay by listening to the Kriyas Hatayra on Purim. It's a controversy whether one actually is fulfilling that mitzvah or not. The Morgan of Ram says you are. Mishnah Brewer finds it difficult because we don't talk about the Mechias Amolek in that Pasha, and therefore the Mishnah Brewer is not so convinced that the, the advice of the Morgan of Ram is so sound. But it's the Morgan of Ram. So it's, again, it may be a, a tier lower, but it's a mitzvah of Timcha Zech Amolek according to the Morgan of Ram. There are other shittas who say that if a person can't, can't make it to shul at all, then he can read from a chumish. The, the last three psukim, read himself, without a minion, from a chumish. The, the last three psukim, Pashas Kiseitse, because, according to some opinions, the Rambam and other opinions, reading from a chumish is sufficient. As long as you read it from a chumish, that's sufficient to be, to fulfill the mitzvah of Mechia Samolek and reading Pasha Zachary, and therefore we have a, a number of options. Ideally, come to Shul with a minion for davening Shabbos morning. Secondly, come to the second Kriya, which is in the evening, afternoon, later afternoon, or after davening, or the Morgan of Ram of the Kriya Satoya and Purim, or the reading it yourself from a Chumash. Reading yourself from a Chumash. I'm going to repeat it, even though it's a story that I mentioned a couple of years ago on in, in the Shia on the Monday night. It was a, it's a, such a beautiful story. I really would like to say it again. Um, I hope you forgive me. This is the story of the beautiful Piot, which uh, I think I said it two years ago. I don't remember if I said it last year or two years ago, but I'm going to say it again anyway. It's such a nice story. The story of the Piot, which the Eidos Mizrach, the Svadim Seim Pashas Zochoi, and the Piot is called Mi Komoicha V'En Komoicha, a beautiful Piot, which has been authored by, authored by Rabbi Yehuda Halevi, the author of the Kuzari. The Piyot is said in many Svadi shuls at different places. Again, there's a controversy when they say it. Some say it before Nishmas. Some say it after Kaddish, Kaddish Tiskabel, before Kriya Satoya. And it, it became a controversy. That's not the controversy I would like to discuss. Now we mentioned it in the Shir when we spoke about this last time. But the story is such a nice story that I would like to to... Uh, repeated. The piot of Mikamecha in the first half of the piot goes according to the other base. It's, it's written, um, uh, according to the other base. Uh, Aleph base, each stanza starts off with an Aleph, the next stanza of the base, next one with the Gimel, with, uh, the next one with the Dalit, etc. Until you get to the stanzas which start off with a Resh, for some reason there's one letter of Aleph, one of base, one of all the 22 letters in the alphabet. There's only one stanza starting with each of the letters, except for the Resh. The Resh has two letters to it. Two stanzas, two prusim, two stanzas to it. Two verses. Two verses starting with a resh. And the story, the legend goes as follows, that Tribuda Levi had a daughter who was getting on in age, and his wife kept on uh, nagging her husband. If I'm allowed to use the word nagging, I shouldn't use that word about wonderful G'dayli Yisrael, but kept on putting a little bit of pressure on her husband to find his daughter, to find their daughter a shidduch, to the point where the husband turned around and said, okay, the next man that comes into me will be the man which is going to be the husband for my daughter. And uh, the next gentleman came in was a somebody who was uh, looked like a pauper in tatters and, and uh, a very uh, poor man. And when they started talking to him, he realized that he wasn't so so knowledgeable. He seemed to be a a bit weak in learning. Now this man really was Ibn Ezra, Rabbi Rom Ibn Ezra, 
who was went to Golos and traveled around, and he came into Rebbe Levi, but because he was going to Golos, he didn't want anybody to know who he really was. So he pretended and he acted like an ignoramus. And the wife and the daughter were so distraught. This is going to be the man that's going to marry. He's ignorant. So Rebbe Levi said, don't worry, I will teach him Torah, and he'll become a Talmud Chacham. And when he's a Talmud Chacham, then you can marry him. And he tried to teach him Torah, and it didn't work. And there was a struggle because the Ibn Ezra just carried on giving the impression that he wasn't who he was. At that time, Rebuda Levi was sitting in his base medrash learning and he was writing, he was authoring this piyot of Michal Meichal Enka Meichal. And he got to the letter Resh and he struggled. He got to the letter Resh and he struggled with the prose. He couldn't find the right verse that fitted in. And he left his piyot on the table His wife came along and said he needs to come for the meal, etc. He has to eat his, 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 his daily meal. He needed to eat to keep himself going. So he left his piot on the table. And when he came back, he found a verse, beautiful verse written with a rish. When he read it, he was completely astounded. The person who wrote this prose, this verse, must have been enormous tamachachim knowing all all different parts of Torah, the hidden and the revealed parts of Torah. So he really delved in and he hunted around to find out who he was until eventually he realized that this poor man was the Ibn Ezra and Ibn Ezra was forced to to, to reveal himself. That he was an Ibn Ezra and eventually the Ibn Ezra married a daughter of Yehuda Chassid. He's quoted in the Ibn Ezra in Pashas Yisrael. He quotes his father-in-law there, Yehuda Levi, the author of the Kuzari. He quotes him there and he became the son-in-law. Rebuda Levi himself wrote another verse with the Reish, his own, but out of deference, out of respect for his son-in-law, the great Ibn Ezra, he kept the second verse, the other Reish, in the Piot, so that there should be two Reishes there, so that there is now two Reishes there. One is his, and one is his son-in-law's, to show respect and unbelievable uh, covet he had for his son-in-law. And that's the story of how the Ibn Ezra became a son-in-law of Rebuda Levi, the author of the Kuzari. And that's a piyot said in the Svad, and we don't say that piyot here in Ashkenaz, but it's supposed to be a beautiful, beautiful piyot. Following on from Pasha's Zohar will be this year without a break, will be immediately Pasha's Sav, will be Pasha's Poro, Pasha's Poro, and then will be followed in Pasha's Shmini, will be Pasha's Hachidesh. Pasha's Poro is the Pasha where we discuss and read the Poro Aduma. Again, it's, there's one opinion that says Pashat Paras is the right, so that we don't pass like that, and there's no obligation for women to hear Pashat Parah. After Pashat Parah, without a break, is Pashat Achedish. That's the Pasha we read in Pashat Boy. The, the Pashat Parah is Pashat Chukas, of course, and Pashat Achedish, we read Pashat Boy, the Pasha of Achedish Azalachem, which is the Pasha of Kabm Pesach as we hit the month of Nisan, and we're about to prepare for the Yom Tov of Pesach, so therefore we need to read about bringing the carbon Pesach and all the halachas, that's Pashat HaChodesh, there's no break between Pashat Par and Pashat HaChodesh, because the moment the person reaches the level of purity that the Par Aduma can enable a person to achieve, and reading the Pashat Par Aduma, or Neshama Param Sistoseinu, enables us to reach that level of purity, then we go immediately into the Chodesh, into the Chidosh, into the newness of the month of Nisan, without any breaks whatsoever. And there's never a Hashabas Afsaka, as we mentioned, between Pashat Par and Pashat Achodesh. Again, Pashat Achodesh is also only Jirabonon, and therefore there's no obligation for women to hear 
Pashas HaChodesh. But I will reiterate once more, that doesn't mean women shouldn't come to shul. It just means that they are not obligated. And if they come, they are getting the reward for allowing themselves to fulfill a mitzvah and a kriya, which they are not obligated for. That's the background to the four Pashas that we will be reading coming two weeks' time. Pashas Vayakel is Pashas Shkolim. And then from then on, till Pashas HaChodesh, after that will be Pashas There'll be, be no Pasha, Pasha's Azrael will be no Kriya, and then Pasha's Metzayah, Shabbos Pasha's Metzayah will be Shabbos HaGadol, and then the Yom Tov of Pesach. The Rebbein should give us Yatad Yishmaya that the double dose of the month of Adar should really bring Simcha to everybody in Kali Yisrael. There should be only Gezunt for all those people who need Refuas. There should only be Hatzlocha for those people who need Hatzlocha. There should be Shidduchim and Zivugim for those people who need Zivugim. There should be Yeshuas for all those people who are entrapped and uh, under the, the, the control of the enemies of Claudius Roll, they should be all released and saved and brought back to Claudius Roll. There should be a revelation of spirituality in the world, which will, the only thing that brings simcha is spirituality. Nothing else brings simcha into the world. And there should be children for all those people who need children. There should be all the brachas, vatsachas that everybody needs. And we should be there to see the end of all sorrows and the beginning of the gula, the month of gula, which is uh, the month of Nisan, preceded by the gula in the month of Adar, we should see these gulas come to true fruition, complete revelation, not just part revelation, mm-hmm. complete revelation of the Ben Shalom. Back in two weeks' time, we'll do the halachas of Purim. Thank you very much and a good night. Good night.